got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 21, Matthew 12 and verse 21, 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by bills above, the prince of the devils. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by bills above, bills above, Cast out devils. By whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. I know it was a weighty reading. You kind of get bogged down in all this bills above, you know, and children casting out, wherefore you be judges. And it's, 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 it's a little hard. To, but verse 28 is where he brings it together. I cast out devils by the Spirit of God. Here it is. Then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. I want to preach to you here this morning from a simple thought. It's more than just a miracle. It's more than just a miracle. He started by casting the devil out and doing a miracle. And if we stop right there we get our praise on and thank God for the miracle. But he said, I want to take you deeper than just the miracle. It's about my kingdom. And I didn't come here just to fix everything. I came here to give you a glimpse of my kingdom and ask you, do you want to come? Let's lift our hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I ask you to touch my mind. Let it go forth clear. Let it be with an understanding that we could grasp what you're trying to tell us and challenge us with here today. God, I ask you to manifest yourself very clearly today through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Allow me just for a moment this morning. Stay with me. Let, let, let me lay, uh, lay some, some foundational principles first before I get to as we would call the punchline or what God's after in this message here today to understand uh, contextually what he was speaking of and how he related 
Beelzebub and, and casting out the devil and, and all this kind of stuff. It, it was a deeper meaning than just casting out the devil. What he was trying to portray to the people was that there are two kingdoms and that I came to put in order what had been placed or been thrown into chaos. It started back in the garden, my creation, Adam and Eve, and there the temptation, and they ate of the fruit, and sin entered the picture, and because of that they were cast out of the garden. But in the, in the picture of him losing his creation, it wasn't that he just lost them. They were still there. He still had, had, had proximity to them, but sin separated them from God. But here's what happened. They changed their citizenship. They went from one kingdom operating in a perfect utopia and a perfect world, what we would call the garden. And we've seen maybe pictures or even heard messages preached about the garden. It was a perfect world. God came in the coolness of the day and walked with Adam. And there was no sin. There was no evil. There was no hurt. There was no pain. Uh, the animals were docile. They were uh, able to be entreated. The lions and the tigers and the bears were all able to be uh, in proximity. They didn't bite back. There was no, no evil inclination there. It was a perfect world. But yet when sin entered, that now that separation came. But it wasn't just total separation from God. It was a changing of position of Adam and Eve to now they're operating under a different kingdom. They're not operating under God's kingdom no more. They're not operating under the kingdom and the rules or the, the laws or the benefits. That's many where we go to. It's the laws and the rules. We never look at the benefits. We look at what we've got to do and what we don't get to do instead of looking at what the benefits are of being a part of the kingdom of God. But Adam and Eve lost it now and now they're operating under a different set of laws, a different set of rules, a different set of standards. It came under the prince and the power of the air. When Satan got cast out, the Bible says that, yeah, I think it was Ezekiel that alluded to it and said... Uh, by revelation, or maybe Isaiah, correct me if I, I be wrong, but he said, I saw Satan being cast out of heaven as lightning. 186,000 miles per second, Satan got cast out of heaven. And there he took up his abode in the heavenlies. The Bible said he's now the prince and the power of the air. And as man has shifted his allegiance, he has shifted it through sin or an unregenerated nature or being lost now or, or not coming to that revelation of relationship with God. He's now under a different set of rulership. He's under a different set of laws. He's under a different dictator, per se, a tyrant would be Lucifer, Satan. He now becomes the, the influencing factor over the minds and the hearts of people. And without the Holy Ghost or without Jesus ever coming, we would have stayed there. Without Him ever coming to this earth. That's why if you ever notice in the Old Testament, there's never a devil cast out of anybody. Anybody ever notice that? Do you ever know that? There's no devils cast out. Why? Jesus ain't come yet. The purpose of his coming was to give you and I the ticket to get back into the kingdom. 
to get back to the place of position and relationship with God that it's not just normal. And this is where we fall prey under, it's just Christianity. Or it's just religion. Or it's just, I come to church. Or it's just, I profess Jesus. See, there's a greater benefit that God's got for you and I that we don't just be a quote-unquote Christian, but that you and I live in the kingdom of God with benefits and privileges that you don't get nowhere else. In the Old Testament, there was no devils cast out. There was no devils in uh, crying out of people, per se. Because there was not that authority, that representation of what Jesus was. He was not just the Messiah. He was the man, God manifested in the flesh, that came to redeem us out from under the curse of sin. The curse of the kingdom that we had been under through the prince and the power of the air. Can you imagine, if you think now it's hard to live for God... Can you imagine the difficulties of the Old Testament? Now you have a benefit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We'll get into it a little bit later. But I'm bringing it forward into where we are. They didn't have the Holy Ghost living in them. They didn't have the Spirit of God living in them. They were only moved on by the holy presence of God, but never an indwelling presence of God within them. So the battles they faced and the struggles they faced and the difficulties they faced were difficulties they faced in their own intellect and ability under the prince and the power of the air. The influencer of the thoughts and the actions, the one that they didn't know where these thoughts were coming from, but they were under the dominion. They were under the canopy of this kingdom that God never intended for them to be under the influence of that kingdom. That's why there's something so beautiful about being a part of the kingdom of God. You don't join a church, you join the kingdom of God. You don't join a denomination, you join the kingdom of God. Because if I join the kingdom of God, I operate under the laws of that kingdom, which brings the benefits and the protection of that kingdom. And the battle of the Old Testament, it knew there was a day that these kingdoms were going to be put back in order. They knew, the enemy knew, all those prophecies that were spoken in the Old Testament, he knew that his days were numbered. He knew that there was coming a Messiah, there was coming God manifested in the flesh that was going to redeem humanity back and change the positioning under the kingdom. It was going to give people a choice. What kingdom will I occupy under? What kingdom will I be under see because when you're under the the positioning or you're in position under the kingdom of the enemy you wonder why there's so much evil now the the kingdom is still in place the enemy's kingdom is still in place it has not been totally annihilated his authority and dominion has been broken he can't hold anybody that don't want to be held it's a choice but the kingdom's influence of the enemy is still in place. That's why you and I are seeing now more and more gross immorality like we've never seen before. You realize, go back to the Old Testament, what was it like then? 
What was it like? They were giving their kids to sacrifices. There was impurity uh, with, with, with adults and children, moral perversion of an unprecedented fashion. Go read and study about the Roman government, the Persians, gross immorality. There's nothing new under the sun. We're facing the same immoral perversions now. And what God's trying to tell the church is, in my kingdom, there's a blessing and a favor that you can occupy under. But you got to realize it for what it is and know that there's a rest in my kingdom I give to my people. And it shifts from the New Testament. The line of demarcation was John. As he stood on the muddy banks of Jordan and he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. What he was saying was this, all of time was waiting on the Messiah to come to put back in order things that needed to be in order. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and put back together things in humanity that couldn't be done by by their own intellect or their own getting good to get God. But he knew that when that Messiah came, it was going to be rest that the people needed. It was going to be wholeness that the people needed. It was going to be healing that the people needed. And it was only through him that it could happen. And when John declared it on the banks of Jordan, said, behold, there's one that's coming. This is him. It was the connection for what everything had been waiting for. The people and the enemy. The enemy knew that when he came, It was going to wreak havoc on his kingdom. But the people knew it was going to give hope to their mistakes. The enemy knew that when he showed up, everything that he had held on for years had to let go. But when Jesus shows up, he knew that whatever he had held on to He couldn't hold them anymore. See, that's the beauty. See, if we get into the mindset of just Christianity, and I thank God for Christianity, okay? I'm not against Christianity. What I'm saying is, we get caught up in the kingdom of just Christianity, going through the motions of it, and we never understand, I'm a part of a kingdom. I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. This ain't religiosity. This ain't denominationalism. This ain't just coming to church. But when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, that was Christ in me now. That I've got an authority. I've got a dominion. I can pray in my family. And something can begin to change. I can pray for my son and my daughter. And take authority over it. And God will pull them out of that kingdom. And put them in the kingdom of God. We succumb. And just say this is the way it will always be. When God's given us everything we need. To take back what the enemy stole. He's given us everything that we need. To get back. What the enemy stole from us. So when John declared this is him. Think about it folks. Just just allow your mind. I'm not an articulate preacher. Or storyteller, but but let your mind just sink in for a minute. Everything was waiting on this answer. Think about everything you've been waiting for when it finally shows up. 
Can you imagine the battle that's going to be when it finally shows up? When you finally get your peace. When you finally get your miracle. You think the enemy in his kingdom is going to easily give that up? There's going to be an antagonistic opposing force that's going to say, I'm going to stop whatever God's about to do in your life. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, the enemy's tried to stop your purpose. He's tried to stop your, your, your plan for what you want to do in God. And God's ready to resurrect some things and tell you, when you get in my kingdom, I'll fight that battle for you. I'll fight that worry for you. I'll fight that darkness for you. That's part of the benefits of my kingdom. That's the benefit of being in his kingdom and being a part of something. But you see, when I operate in my kingdom or I operate under the enemy's kingdom, frustration, aggravation, darkness, hopelessness, that's the enemy's kingdom. He wants you and I to stay hopeless. He wants us to stay in a place where it'll never change. And it'll never. And if if we're not careful, Christ just becomes another entity. He hears it's something. That's why this morning, that's why I felt it so strong in that that pulpit. That that I don't ever want it to become uh, common. I don't ever want Calvary to be common. I don't ever want Jesus to become common. He was God manifested in the flesh. And when he came, he came to deal with the enemy and his kingdom and bring back the authority that was meant to be held by man but if the church never realizes what we have it's just Christianity it's just occupying and we stay under the kingdom of the enemy's influences and we never fight to stay under the kingdom of God we stay under the influences of what the kingdom of the enemy says this is where it will always be It'll never change. It'll never get better. But in the kingdom of heaven, he says, I'll never put more on you. In the kingdom of heaven, he says, I'll make a way of escape. In the kingdom of heaven, he says, perfect peace to them whose mind is stayed on me. In the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, I'm trying to show you my kingdom operates different than just Christianity. That's what we fight many times in a service, that it's just kind of humdrum. I come to church to pacify my conscience when really what you need to understand is the kingdom of heaven is in this building right now. And he's telling whosoever will, if you want to come... I can bring you hope. I can bring you peace. But you got to be willing to come into my kingdom and realize I can't stay under the influence of the other kingdom. So when John declares it, watch what happens. The Pharisees and Sadducees show up. Watch. The religious folks show up. The ones that figure they got it all together. Act the part, dress the part, look the part, say the part, go the part. But are missing the key part. They got it all down pat, Brother Smith. And Jesus rebukes them. John calls them vipers. Later in another writing, he calls them whited sepulchers. Full of dead men's bones. They look all together. But inside, there was no allegiance to the right kingdom. 
It was to a kingdom of their own. Operating under the kingdom of the enemy. They never, when you've got the Messiah standing right in front of you, brother Mark. But choosing to stay under the enemy's kingdom. See, the message is this. In his kingdom is hurt. In his kingdom is brokenness. In his kingdom is hopelessness. In his kingdom is sickness. In the kingdom of the enemy is everything under the sun that's evil. Our hurts, our disappointments, our letdowns, our bitterness, our anger. That's all under his kingdom. And there is the answer saying, you don't have to stay underneath that. You don't have to stay underneath that. The Messiah standing in front of you, he's there to bring you out. He's there to deliver you. He's there to give you hope. He's there to restore your faith. You think Israel wasn't down. I've heard people say, I just don't have no faith. Or my faith is just gone right now. You can't ever lose your faith. Every man's got a measure of faith. God put that in you. Now it might be buried under some junk, but you've got faith. But as long as you and I stay under the operation of the enemy's kingdom and the minds, that's why we preach so strong about the world and the world's concepts. It's not because we're trying to advocate some elitism or some cultism. It's because I don't want to ascribe to the principles of the world. I want to ascribe to the principles of God's kingdom because in God's kingdom is peace. In his kingdom is hope. But the more I ascribe to carnal mind is that enmity against God. A carnal mind that ascribes to it's at war against what God's trying to propagate. The carnal mind is nothing more than the nature of human will free. Basically, and that's what the world says, we're in bondage, but they're free. The carnal mind basically is Freedom to live lustful and perverted. We sang about it today. Victory and hope is in what he did and me mirroring. So here's John preaching the message. Messiah right in front of them. And the religious folks step up and say, None of that. None of that. We're not doing that. Why? Because they had, listen, pay attention to this part. If you miss this, you're going to miss it. They had stayed under it for so long that now when God finally manifested the hope to get them out, their mind was so indoctrinated and, and filled with something that was false. When it came time to transition it, they couldn't. When it came time to bring them to the place of their answer, their mind had been so heavy, Brother Mark, and, and, and so under that kingdom. And they'd gotten comfortable under the kingdom of the enemy. They'd gotten comfortable. You say, well, you mean to tell me, you, you're trying to say I'm like I'm some devil worshiper. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he has set up in the, as the prince of the air 
a ruling, reigning government that's chaotic, but it's there. And it influences the minds of people that are carnal. That have no godly consciousness. And God came here to say, you don't have to stay under that. I'm giving you the garden all over again to come back into a relationship with me. You don't have to stay under that where there's fear and there's anxiety and there's depression and there's hopelessness and all of these. You don't have to stay under that. You can come out of that. And Jesus tries to paint the picture. John says it. Matthew says it. But then Matthew really writes it well. As Jesus speaks. Matthew 11. Jesus says it like this. He says. The kingdom of heaven. Suffereth violence. But the violent. Take it by force. What's he trying to say? What's he trying to tell us? Jesus is trying to give us a picture in Matthew 11. Before he ever gets to Matthew 12. That it's about my kingdom. And there's a battle between the two kingdoms. And if you and I are ever going to enter into God's kingdom, it's going to be with a great struggle. Like right now in this service, God's pulling for somebody. Come, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But something's fighting it and opposing it. That's why many people think, well, it's just a normal Sunday service. There's never a normal Sunday service. Get that out of your brain forever and ever and ever. There's never, there should, God forgive us that we ever even allowed that in my mind. It's just a normal Sunday morning, normal Sunday night, a normal Wednesday, a normal prayer, a normal. It's never normal. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. If we don't maintain that urgency, never get back we're basically saying you gave me the Holy Ghost I talked in tongues great I'm good I'm done and God's saying you don't understand what I came for you're spiritually at a place where you don't understand what the Holy Ghost is for when you get the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost changes everything it brings you into God's kingdom and you can now pray with an authority and a hope you don't have to stay bound you don't have to stay incarcerated you don't have to stay in that situation just let the Holy Ghost have its way and the way you do that is you surrender all Jesus sets the stage. He said, he even starts it. And he brings up John, Matthew 11. He said, John's in prison. And they came running to him and said, hey, John's in prison. He said, just tell John. Lame walk, blind see, deaf ears hear. And woe unto him that's not offended in me. But he's telling John, is this making sense? I feel like I'm in a mud hole just going round and round. What he was trying to tell him was this. Tell John. John's in prison. John, the back, he's in prison. He's about to die. Jesus didn't come rescue him. He didn't come bail him out. He didn't pull him out of prison. He said, just tell John this. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And woe unto him that's not offended in me. Just let me run my business like I need to run it. What was Jesus saying to John? Here's what he's saying. John, everything rested on me coming. Find Isaiah 35, verse 4 fast. 
Everything rested on me coming. Everything rested on me coming and manifesting myself. Because what Adam blew in the garden, I came to fix. What Adam messed up, I came to fix. What Adam sinned through disobedience, I came through obedience. And John's in prison. He says, just tell John. Why did he say that? Isaiah 35 and 4. Why did he say that? Because he's trying to tell John. Watch. John, this is about two kingdoms, Brother Salva. This is two kingdoms. And John, you were the forerunner to me. You were the one that set the tempo. You were the one that came and preached repentance when nobody else. You came and shook up the religious folk and told them they were a wife. You shook them. God, forgive us that we ever lose the ability to be shaken by the presence of God. Or be shaken by a John the Baptist ministry that would shake us into reality to say, there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's an eternity, and there's a temporal. Somewhere in all of that, you and I better make up in our mind, I want to live for God because I love Him, not for the miracle. And Jesus just quoted Isaiah. Fear for heart, be strong. Behold, your God will come and avenge us. Even God with a recompense, a payback. He will come and save you. Next verse, watch. Strengthen the weak hands, comfort. Uh, next verse five. And the lame shall leap. The tongue, the tongue of the dumb is going to sing. The wilderness, the waters break out, and the streams of the desert. Go back to verse 35 and 5. Yes, that's it. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. You know what Jesus just said? John, you got faith in your darkest hour. You're in prison. You did good. You preached and was the forerunner for me. Your job's done, John. And all Jesus told him was this. Do you have enough faith to remember what Isaiah said? And here's what John, Jesus was telling John. I'm he. That's what he was trying to tell him. He said, I'm the one. Isaiah said, there's one coming. That the blinded eyes are going to be open. The deaf ears are going to be unstopped. Jesus said, just tell John. The lame are walking. The blinded eyes are being opened. Why? Because God just has a good time fixing eyeballs? No. Because God has a good time fixing our hearing? No. Because He wants you and I to see the power of the kingdom of heaven. That when the kingdom of heaven comes, the lame walk, the blinded eyes open. And it's more than the miracle. It's about the kingdom. And in the hour we live in, the time we live in, watch. Here's where we are. Tell me how to fix my problem. Tell me how to get me out of my mess. Tell me how to get rid of the problems I'm facing. Tell me how to deal with the things I'm facing. Tell me these answers. And here's, it's kind of like Jesus saying the same thing again. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. The message is the message of the kingdom, not the miracle. You get the kingdom, you get the miracle. You can get the miracle and miss the kingdom. That's 
what we've birthed now. It's all about the miracle. It's all about what God can do. You say, well, that's sadistic. You're crazy. You lost your mind, preacher. You're so negative. Why can't you ever preach that just Jesus is love? He is love and he cares and he's full of mercy and he's kind and he reaches for you and I. But the answer to it all is I got to get you in the kingdom because if I can get you in the kingdom, you can see me like you've never seen me. You can see me as a friend that'll stick closer than the brother. It just won't be the preacher's religion. It just won't be your mama's religion. It'll be your relationship with him in the kingdom. We've birthed church religion, preacher religion, denominational religion, and we never found out the God that he was all about. And this is what Jesus, you say, well, Benoit, you really, seriously, you're crazy. Folks, I'm just preaching what Jesus preached. Now, I could be a popular preacher. I've done it before. Services blowing up, going wide open. Oh, man, it'd be great. Just let it turn loose, Brother Smith. Let everybody shout and run. And you know I'm for all that. I won't shout and running and snotting and crying and doing everything crazy. I love that. But there's been times the Holy Ghost said, Whoa, I want you to preach my word. It didn't make sense. I could have just run. We could just have it. I could be popular. Have my own television show. Print me up cards, more. Advertise everywhere. And you know what I do? God's going to do miracles. And that's all I ever preach. And I never preach. There's a kingdom and a responsibility to that kingdom. And when you and I get a revelation of the kingdom, you get all the miracles. You get all the blessings. You get all the favor. Of God, you get the peace, the hope, the the shutting of the lion's mouth. Isn't it funny how in the garden, the lions and all that didn't bite you? You can pet them; everything was normal. And now, when Jesus comes, He goes, "I came to shut the mouth of the enemy." That roaring lion that seeketh to devour and destroy and to kill, Calvary shuts his mouth. What's, what? When you get in the kingdom. It don't matter what the devil says. If you're in the kingdom, he can't touch you. He can't touch you. He can't touch your family. He can't touch your kids. He's giving them Isaiah. He's giving it to John. He's saying, John, I'm not bailing you out. I'm not going to take you out of this problem. And here's where we are. God, take me out of my problem. And God's saying, I'm not. Because it's in that problem you're going to get something that you've never seen of me in the problem. And he preaches to him in Matthew 11. Violence come and John's in prison. Don't be offended. You know what that means, Brother Mark? It means when God don't show up and bail you out and fix your problem like you think he should, we get all mad at God. God, why did you let me be abused? God, why did you let this happen? Come on, folks, get honest. Why did I have to go through that divorce? Why did I have to go through that problem? When God can do anything, but yet, like last Sunday, God chooses to say, or whatever Sunday it was, I don't know. God doesn't do what I know He can do. I've got an opportunity at that moment to get offended or say, okay, God. John had his choice. He could have gotten offended 
And that's why Jesus said, hey, woe unto him that doesn't get offended in me. Let me run my business like I feel to run it. Because in my kingdom, I'm the king, not you. And Jesus closes out Matthew 11 with this. Watch. Come, all you that are heavy. Watch. Come, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you. So what's the attribute of the kingdom? Rest. But what's the first component? It's a trick question. If rest is in the kingdom, what did he say? He ain't, he already came one time. It's already established. His presence is here. Hell ain't in charge of nothing. I don't care if he is the prince in the power of the air. I determine if I come into the kingdom and partake of the rest. Or do I stay under fear, torment, worry, stress, anxiety? We've coined messages. How many times have we heard messages truly spirit led? Same message. When you're in the kingdom, you're being led by Him. Then you have answers of what do I do with my kids? What do I do with my job? What do I do with my family? What do I do about this? When you're in the kingdom. And He closes it with come. And I'm going to give you rest. And then it shifts gears like that. And Jesus goes, Matthew 12, he gives him another bunch of stuff. I ain't going to get into it. And he goes to the boy that's devil-possessed and dumb. And here it is. And I'm closing. The boy is deaf and dumb. That was not. Jesus never does a miracle by accident. He could have went to people that were lame. He could have went to somebody that was blind. But at this particular junction with the whole kingdom stuff, it's about hearing and understanding. So what Jesus heals this one for, one reason, it's real clear. He's deaf and he's dumb. He doesn't have the ability to comprehend the deep things of God. And that's kind of what the enemy's done to us in church sometimes. That's deep, Benoit, just preach love and be done. Just preach uh, John 10, 48. Jesus wept. That's what they taught me in Sunday school. That's the easiest one I've ever get called on. Jesus wept. I can quote that one. And what he's trying to show them is there's something deeper that's at stake. It's more than the miracle. It's more than just, but that deaf and dumb they could not understand. Here's what it tells me for the end time. If we get the revelation that the kingdom of heaven is here and that God's ready to do the miracle, then that which does not understand will understand. And that which cannot hear will begin to hear. I'm going to paraphrase it. Hell ain't in charge of nothing. If you've got a heart to live for God, God will break every stronghold. He'll break every chain. He'll break every fetter. You don't have to stay there if you decide to come. And he heals him. And watch what they said. Is this not... David's, what, what's, 
something clicked. They had enough to understand. This could be the prophecy. But they had enough carnality to argue with the Lord. And say, he's casting out devils. Surely he's a devil himself. You got to understand the whole Jewish thing. They were a bunch of mystical people. They were Pentecostals. All spiritual. Trust me, the Jews were. There was an element of them Jews. They believed in the mystical. They believed in the supernatural. Hello, they came out of Egypt. Red Sea was parted. That didn't happen because just a, God did the miracles. So their natural inclination is, this is crazy. You've you, you got to be a devil. Now watch what Jesus says. He said, every kingdom. Hear it? Kingdom. It wasn't about the miracle. It was about the kingdom. And he was manifesting that kingdom in the flesh. But they could not see because they were so intoxicated on their kingdom, Brother Keith. That's all they cared about. Their kingdom, their will, their plan, their dream, what they wanted. But see, in the end time, God's bringing a people and he's calling a people into his kingdom that ain't worried about what they got, what they want, or this. They're worried about the kingdom of God. They're worried about the things of God. They're worried about sons and daughters that are coming and being raised in an ungodly generation, and they need somebody. That's why we're in a church service. I said it. It should never be normal. Every time you and I come to the house of God, we ought to lift our hands in adoration and magnification unto him, that the atmosphere would be set, that the kingdom of heaven could be felt that there could be a call out of the kingdom of heaven to come. I'm going to stay. You can change it. Go to Nicodemus. Uh, uh, go to Nicodemus 3. I'm, uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. But now watch what Jesus said while he's finding that. Stay with me. I'm closing. Musicians, y'all come. Watch. Jesus said, any kingdom that's divided, watch it can't stand. Oh, he went even further. Watch what he said, Brother Troy. He says this. And even a city. Oh, that don't apply. Kingdom don't apply. But watch. The house. The house. What's the message in it? Here's the message. Any kingdom and any city and any house that's divided will never stand. If there's ever a time to bring your house under the kingdom of God, that it will stand, it's today. If there's ever a time you and I need to make up in our mind, I'm going to live for God with all my heart, that my house can be saved. You hear me? You got one foot in, one foot out. You got one in, one out. You got a mind that's divided. One wants to go here, one wants to do this. You need to hear me. That house will never stand. It's never going to stand. There's always going to be contention. There's always going to be division between them. And Jesus is trying to give us the most simple element. You got to come together in the kingdom because in my kingdom, there's unity. Let's bring it to a church. I'm going to add to the word of God. God forgive me. The church. Don't let the anything. If a kingdom's divided, if a home's divided, if a city's divided, if a church is divided. 
If a community is divided, it'll never stand. Jesus is trying to say, I just told you boys, you got to come. This ain't got nothing to do with John. Nicodemus came, ruler of the Jews. Next verse. I'm going to go real fast. Then the same came to Jesus by night and said unto them, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher from God. For watch, for no man does what? Miracles. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, we see all the tricks you're doing. We see the miracles. But what's the deal? You can't do that. See, Nicodemus is on the verge, Brother Charlie, from going under the prince and the power of the heir's kingdom into God's kingdom. Next verse. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom. What's he trying to tell you and I? If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't even perceive what I'm preaching. You're blind. You can't even see it. It's Greek. It's a long-winded preacher with his veins popping out and sweaty. It can't even be perceived. Except a man is born. He can't even see it. You gotta be born again that you can even see that there's a kingdom. Next verse. Nicodemus said, How can I enter my mother's womb? Next verse. And he answered and said, Except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter. He's saying, You can't even get into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. It's more than the miracle, it's about the kingdom. Next verse. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. What he just told him says is, you're born in the flesh. You can't change that. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Next verse. Marvel not that I said you must be born again. Next verse. The wind bloweth where it listens. Thou hearest the sound thereof. And this is the one I've used a hundred times over in pulpits all over. The word sound means phone. And what he's saying is, the wind bloweth where it listens. And thou hearest the language thereof. Here's what he just said. If you're born of the Spirit and God fills you with the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak a language you ain't never been spoke, you never spoke before. And if there ain't no language, there ain't no Holy Ghost living in you and you're still not in the kingdom of God. But when you and I are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we speak another language that tells us that's where the Spirit of God now lives. You now just entered into the kingdom of God. Now you can perceive the things of God. Now I can see. This is the beautiful thing. Stand with me. Musicians, y'all ready? I'm closing. Here's what he's saying. This is for us that's been living a long time. Brother Mark and Tell, Brother Jackson, y'all been living for God longer than me. You came into the kingdom. God filled you with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. You got that. You just were born again of water there and spirit there. But now watch. When you got it, That was just your foot in the door. Watch. Now you can see what it's all about. I can see the joy. Hey, young couple, you wonder why these elder, they're still here? Brother Ed, in the hospital room, quadruple bypass. I got the picture still on my phone. I looked at it just the other day. I'm in the hospital praying for him. Quadruple bypass, 84-3. Hey, you just old. <laughs> you up there. <laughs> In the hospital. And watch. 
His hands raised. Fixing to go into surgery. Young couple, listen. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost and you step into that kingdom, you can now see, I can make it through. How do they stay around? How do they keep worshiping God? How is there? I'll tell you how. They can see what the benefits are in living for God. There's a benefit in living for God more than the miracle. The benefit of living for God is God is good. God is faithful. God helps me. And God cares about me more than anybody does. When my brother won't stay with me, Sister Claudia. When my church family won't stay with me. Not just metaphorically, I know you're with me. When my wife won't stay with me. When my kids, when anybody would turn against you, no matter who they are, remember God will be Because I see in the kingdom. It's more than him fixing my problem. It's about enjoying the peace of the kingdom of God. Is there anybody here today that you kind of just feel, I want to be a part of that kingdom. I don't understand everything you're preaching, preacher, but I sense something that I've never sensed before. I want that. I want us to step out of that pew today. I want us to come to this front with our hands raised and say, God, I'm ready to walk into this kingdom. You can see things in the kingdom you ain't never seen before. Come on, come. Come. Come on, come. Come on, fill in all across this front. Now. Now. Let's begin to love him. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Praise him right now. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Come on, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, God could fill you with the Holy Ghost today. God wants to touch you. God wants to help you. God wants to strengthen you today. God wants to encourage you, but it's only in his kingdom. All you got to do is make up in your mind, God, I want to be a part of that kingdom. I want to be a part of your kingdom today. Come on, lift your voices. Come on, talk to him right now. Feel the urgency of the kingdom. God, I need you right now to move in my behalf. I need you to move in my behalf right now.